Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> okay, then. <clears throat> Without further ado, welcome to the... Juquan, another week in the books, and some big points coming up, but uh, first, I think we need to hit on something a little bit saddening, especially to anybody around this area, and that is the death of a 29-year-old Tommy Hansen. Yeah, that that was tough. I, um, I heard the other day that he was in the coma, and I was praying that, you know, he would pull out. Uh, then when I got in the car today and I heard it on sports radio that he had passed at 29, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily – Originally from the area, so I don't know a lot about him, and I'll let you handle that. But you know, at 29, you, you know, you feel like that's way too young. But I pretty much figured he was a good dude when I was reading all the tweets uh, from all the players um, coming out saying how heartbroken they were. Because if you're a terrible guy, nobody's going to say anything about you when you pass, except for you're a rotten dude. But when you got the Tripper Joneses of the world um, coming out saying you know, they're heartbroken, and you know, Matt was saying you know it's not like I lost like a brother, I did lose a brother, you know. That told me a lot about uh, him as a person, what his character was. Yeah, and it is sad. I've, you know, I've been a Braves fan my entire life. I've been here my entire life, and I, I remember when he was coming up, and it was him and Medlin in the system, and for mm-hmm. a twenty-second round pick, the buzz that Hanson brought up through the system with him, he was, he was going to be our next John Smoltz, and were it not for injuries, he really could have been. Now, I'm not going to go into any specifics about what happened. There's nothing proven yet, and I don't want to disparage anything. So I'm just going to stick with the whole giving out my condolences to everybody involved. From everything that I've known and seen, he was just an all-around great guy. Loved his family. He even moved his sisters closer to him because he didn't like having to see them cry every time he left for spring training. Yeah, exactly. I said, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump into that. Um, what happened? It's gonna come out, but you know, let the family have their time and let the people who know who know him and loved him, you know, have a, a, a bit to mourn before you jump into you know the the cause of it. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't need to speculate, but it, it's heartbreaking to hear that from seemingly um, a pretty good dude to die at 29. It's way too young. Way too young. I, I remember hearing that news. I didn't even hear about the coma. I didn't hear about it until he passed. And then I just happened to get on ESPN and saw it, and I was just – it just kind of hits you. Just like, oh, man, I remember this guy coming up. He's not that much older than me. It was, it was yeah, a dark day. Yeah, it was day. tough. They didn't really – yeah, they didn't really dive into it too deep uh, about him going to the coma. I generally, you know, throughout the day go to yahoo.com just to read the, 
training stories and whatnot, and I saw that he had been admitted to uh, the hospital here and was in the coma, and I was like, wow. Like, I knew the name, but I didn't know all of his background, and then, you know, it, it didn't last real long. Um, I want to say that was yesterday. I read that on Yahoo, and then today, this morning, he was gone. It was, it's, like you said, a dark day. It was really sad. It is. So all of our thoughts and prayers go out to the Hanson family and to everybody who knew him and loved him. Um, Absolutely. Unfortunately, these things sometimes happen. <clears throat> but we got to move on a little bit. We don't have a whole lot of time. Uh, hopefully we'll have a little bit more. We can update everybody next week. But um, Absolutely. another week, another playoff prediction. And from what you were texting me earlier, you, my friend, were just as upset this week as you were last week. Yeah, I, here's my thing about it, and I know it's going to play out, but I, I like to see people at their, this week get rewarded for what they're done. And no doubt Alabama is playing fantastic, and that's a big win over LSU. But to put them over four undefeated teams when they have one loss, and then that one loss is to a team that's not even in the college football top 25 anymore, to me is a slap in the face to the other Power Five Conference undefeated teams. And I know you feel that way about – uh, somewhat about Notre Dame, but at least their loss is to the number one team in the country. You know, you, you're talking about a two, uh, losing to Ole Miss in Tuscaloosa, who's lost to Arkansas and to Memphis. And I don't know how you can justify putting them at two over Ohio State, over Baylor, over Oklahoma State, and I'm forgetting another one, and over um, oh, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, Baylor. And there's another fourth one I'm missing. I just, I just don't see how you do it. Michigan State. Oh, Michigan State's gone because of uh, the loss in Nebraska. Oh, did they? I didn't even see that game. I had to work, so I was uh, staying away from all devices. Yeah, they wow. lost. Wow. Uh, uh, they lost. We can get into it. Uh, I'll I, we'll, I get into it next. I want to know what you think about that because I know you, the way I feel about Alabama, I think you feel a way about Notre Dame sneaking in there. Yeah, pretty close to it. Um just the way you think Alabama gets rewarded on their name, I think that's Notre Dame times 100. Notre Dame really hasn't played anybody. Um, their signature game is a loss to Clemson. Just like last year, their signature game was that loss to FSU. Uh, Alabama, I can justify this early because that LSU team, they they beat a fantastic team that could have – that I believe LSU would have beaten <clears throat> anybody else in that three to six range. And I think I think they rewarded Bama by just giving them LSU slot. We talked about it last week. It'll shake out, and Alabama still has to run that gauntlet. They still got Miss State, and they're still going to have whoever uh, whoever they face in the East. Like that's going to be hard in the championship game. Yeah, but, uh, yeah they still have to run through. <clears throat> and uh, I'm looking more at how good are these teams when I look for their playoff predictions. So. Oklahoma State, by the way, great call. You called it last week about that being a tight game. Uh, Oklahoma State, I think there would have been just as much of an uproar if you'd put them for because you can look at that team and know they're not there. Um, Baylor, I'm a little but shocked. They at, but, TCU, again, though. but they knocked off yeah. undefeated TCU, though. But they knocked off undefeated TCU, so I'm gonna reward, I will reward them for that. My only thing about Alabama they is – They knocked off an you, undefeated LSU. I agree, but and, but in putting them there, you have to also look at the fact that they have a loss, and you have four. I was the other one I was looking for. You have four undefeated Power Five conferences, and their loss is not to anybody in the top 25. If you look back to last year, Ohio State had to climb from 16, eventually getting into number four on the very last one because of a bad loss to Virginia Tech early on. 
But now Alabama's not getting, having to run that same gauntlet. You've already put them at four and jumped them to two, even though they have potentially going to end up with a loss or two, a team that's going to have three or four losses, and not to, to power, power teams. You know, two of those losses are already to Arkansas and to Memphis. So that's what I'm saying. They're not getting that same level of scrutiny that Ohio State got last year. It took Ohio State the whole time to get up to number four, whereas Alabama, they, we're just discounting that loss to Ole Miss already like it didn't happen. That's my only problem with this. I, I can understand that, but um... – Big 12 doesn't need to worry. If they have an unbeaten team, if Baylor ends up unbeaten, or maybe even if Oklahoma State, but definitely Baylor, if they end up undefeated, they will make it. They're not going to get snubbed again. And Brian Kelly, Notre Dame's coach, was actually talking about um, about that's the reason why he'd like an eight team. I don't know if I'd like an eight team. Six team to me would be perfect. But that's another topic that we can get into if we have time later on today. Uh, Rushing a little bit, it was – when you just threw in that Michigan State loss, which for some reason I did not hear anything about, that made it a huge upset weekend this Saturday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it. We're, but you know what? It, it happens every year, and we get so caught up sometimes. And well, we've got six undefeated teams, and it's October, and you, if you know, it's just like calm down because as soon as the calendar hits November, the craziness starts to happen, and it's like clockwork every year. It starts to happen. It started last weekend, two weekends ago, and now this weekend, you know, uh, with Michigan State. Um, and then you got Navy upsetting uh, Memphis. Uh, you know, TCU losing to Oklahoma State. I don't know if that's necessarily an upset because Oklahoma State was already uh, undefeated. But still, people were on the Trevor Boykin uh, bandwagon, and I was too. Um, and I thought they were going to win that game because of him. Yeah. But um, so, like I said, it's going to work itself out. But it was, it was, just, a, it was just a crazy weekend. But the only problem I have with it, the way they prop the, the you know, the four teams and where they put the Big Twelve, I don't, I don't know if I'm really all that convinced that if Oklahoma State, because I think Oklahoma State now is probably your best bet to run the gauntlet, because they looked good against TCU. I watched some of that game. But you know, if Ohio State wins out, um, I think they put Ohio State in over over Oklahoma State. I think they, if Notre Dame wins out, they'll leave Notre Dame there. I think Alabama is good as in, and if. Clemson wins out their end. I don't know if they're going to defeat it because they don't have a conference championship game. And if all those other teams outside of Notre Dame, and like you said, Notre Dame's going to get in because they're Notre Dame. If they win their conference, they're going to say, oh, problem. well, those three guys won the conferences. You guys, you don't have a conference championship game. They're going to get left out again. They have to get a conference championship game soon. And I don't know why they keep butting their heads against that wall. They have enough good teams just in there. To where it, it, just like it. Yeah, it is. They're actually trying to go down to let them have it at 10 as opposed to having having to move up to gain somebody um, to go to twelve, is what I read. And it's just pure stubbornness. But um, that's actually my <laughs> biggest problem with Notre Dame is at least with Alabama. If even if what you say is true, when a lot of people who don't like the SEC that oh you're getting name recognition because you're Bama, at least Bama's done mm-hmm. something in the last decade to deserve it. We're talking about a Notre Dame team that hasn't been that type of quality. Hasn't been Notre Dame, quote unquote, since '88. I mean, that would be like no. you putting Georgia and leaving them in there. I mean, that Notre Dame team is not a fantastic team. And I'm not so sure, not so certain they get past Navy again this year. That could be another falter game. I can only hope because if Notre Dame is in there, that's that's one game, that's one team you can count out because you know they're not beating Bama. They've already shown they're mm-hmm. not beating Clemson. And I doubt mm-hmm. they beat Ohio State. And I, by the I, way, your Buckeyes. Your Buckeyes, man. Yeah, that, uh, I'm a little nervous there. I told you. I told you last week that th- that system, we talked about it, without having the, that Devin Smith in the offense, 
to take the top off and show that arm strength and make a team respect that of every play with Cardell back there, he's just not as effective. Uh, and they have to put Bear back in. They better hope he's not rusty because I, I, they should beat Illinois. But you know, like I know, anytime you have conference road games, they're always tighter than they should be. So he's going to have to come back and not have any rust in order for them to, to, you know, go in Illinois and put the kind of statements they need to put out there now because people are looking for a reason to drop them. And if they go to Illinois and don't look impressive, I could, I could see them falling even further um, behind Notre Dame even. So they have to go out and be impressive. But back to your point about Notre Dame, I agree. If, I think if you don't force Notre Dame to get in a conference, either get in the ACC all the way or not, then you should treat them like those other um, group of five schools and not consider them a power team and let them still have that kind of power as an independent. It's unfair to everybody else that has to go and play a full conference schedule and a conference title game to get in. And now you're saying they're taking Michigan State and Michigan off of their schedule. It's like, come on, man. Those are two of their hardest games. And now they don't even have to do those anymore and they don't have to go through a, a conference title game to get there. I totally agree with you on Notre Dame. I think it's totally unfair to everybody else. Yeah, I can't stand Notre Dame. Um, it looks like – I honestly, I think Clemson can run this gauntlet and finish out the regular season undefeated now. Uh, they just knocked off Florida State in what was a much closer yeah. game than I thought it would be. Uh, we were we were fairly close on our projections last week. I was looking through those. I mean, we were a little bit off on uh, – Mm-hmm. Bama and LSU, but I I was not expecting Bama to hold Fournette to 30 yards. That was wildly impressive. But um, it, it was. It Clemson, was. I don't want to take anything from Alabama. Game. Oh, that was yeah. wildly impressive. Um, you called yeah. Ohio State having a tough game. Georgia played better than I thought they would. And lo and behold, we talked about this over the phone a little bit. You see why? You run Keith Marshall. All of a sudden, it opens up <laughs> cutback lane. Sony Michelle. How hard was that? You have a guy who's faster than any other person on your team, but he's big enough and he runs between the tackles. He's a little bit more straight ahead. What do you know? It opens up cutback lanes because those ends can't crash in. Well, who could have predicted that? Yeah, and, and you, and I'll give you credit. We've been talking about this. It's like Mark Rick is going to take the delay. Season. Yeah, I, I know. That's what I'm saying. I've talked about you from the get-go. But it's like he's going to take the light. You put in – Baton, Baton to, to, to open it up with the quarterback runs, and then you don't call any of them. And then you bench him, and he, hardly, he doesn't even get in the game, I don't think. And then you run the wild dog with all kinds of success against Kentucky. And it's like, wasn't that the point of changing quarterbacks against Florida to run that offense that you didn't run against Florida, but you decided to run against Kentucky? I, I can't call it. If I was a Georgia fan, I would be glad that we stopped the bleeding by beating Kentucky. But I would be so upset with Mark Rick for waiting to do that a week later. You, maybe you don't beat Florida, but you don't get destroyed either. You know, it, you don't throw four interceptions, I don't think, if you run that offense. So I'm with you. I, I, you convinced me with the whole dual quarterback piece. And then this year, with his inability to adjust in game and, and then being totally a week behind on this one, that it's, it, it's run its course. I think it's just time for that guy to go. Oh, he should have switched that as soon as the Tennessee game was done. When I, for the life of me, I can't figure out, and I guess he might have, he must have just finally figured out. And I don't know if it's Rick or if it's Schottenheimer, but whichever one of them it is, I don't know if they've got a personal problem with Marshall or if they're just flexing their muscles and pulling a little Shanahan. But anybody with eyes could have told you that running Brendan Douglas is useless. I mean, you've got a, a third down, a third string back in Marshall who would start for the vast majority of college teams. And mm-hmm. it just goes back to getting your playmakers the ball. 
if you know you got problems at quarterback, if your receiving core is uh-huh. young, use every opportunity you can to get the ball in your playmakers' hands. I mean, that, that's football 101. I totally agree. And, and on top of that, put all of them on the field at the same time. You know, don't necessarily rotate them in and out. Make the defense account for each and every one of them on every play. And I'll I put the, the, the ball goes to Mark Rick. He's the head coach. He has final say, we're going to run this, we're not going to run this. I don't care what the OC says. I'm going to look at this game plan and say, I don't like it. Give me something else. You know, it, it, it has to start and stop with him. Like, I'm going to let you do your thing within the game plan of what I want Georgia the football to look like. So, like, it's, it's on Mark Rick. The OC can do it, you know. If the OC had to say, yeah, I want to, you know, go get a dual, dual threat quarterback, he would have overruled that, right? So, why not overrule running this set of plays when, hey, like you said, our quarterback situation is not that good. we got young wide receivers. We, our best players are our running backs and our punt returner. Let's give them the ball. I, I, I don't know. I don't have anything else to say about it except for that. It's, it's time for him to go. And it was, it was a huge week for Leonard Floyd. There had been some rumblings that he wasn't living up to what he was hyped at because going into the season he was looked at as a surefire first-rounder. Uh, a lot of ice he's kind of dropped a little bit, but – if you, I don't know if you watched Georgia Kentucky, but he was I did. everywhere. He didn't get any sacks. I think he got a half a sack, maybe. Uh, his sack totals have been down a lot, but he was everywhere. He was pressuring on every play. He was chasing down people. He was covering receivers. That was the type of performance Georgia needed out of its leader, especially with Jordan Jenkins hurt. Yeah, no, I think I uh I had the girls and um and I, I couldn't get them to settle down until about the three thirty game. So I um <laughs> I I was I didn't get a chance to see that one. Um but again, they have the talent and I don't necessarily always have to watch it to understand it. I can look at the score and then listen to it and look at the box score like, Well, oh, so they did what they were supposed to do finally. But again, why is it on a tape delay? Why does it take us take a week later for it to happen? I and I think it frees up the defense. Because when you're running the ball and controlling the, the line of scrimmage and you're controlling the clock, surprise, surprise, your defense gets to wrestle a little bit more and they come out and they're frustrated. And you can get after the quarterback a little easier as opposed to being on the field for some of these snaps and you run down and you're out of gas. So I think they go hand in hand. So it doesn't surprise you that the defense played well because the offense held the ball and they played well. It's, 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 a, it's a marriage that has to happen, a bounce you have to have in order to be a successful team. And they did it finally. And, again, because they decided to go with what works. Like you said, put the ball in your playmaker's hand. About time. Uh, real quick before we move on to pro ball, uh, we got to talk about one person who's having just an absolutely phenomenal season and is being completely overlooked. I haven't heard his name once in the national media. And that's Dak Prescott from Mississippi State. Have you seen his numbers this year? I, you know what? I haven't been paying much attention because this has been flying so far under the radar. Uh, but I heard them talking about it during the uh, – who did Mississippi State play this past week? Uh, I caught a piece of that game. They were talking about his numbers just being out of control. Uh, I haven't looked them up. But I, we've, we've talked about it before in the summer that Dak uh, with Dan Mullins, it gives Mississippi State a chance to still overcome some of the losses they've had to the NFL and graduation this past year. So I'm not super surprised because I like Dak as a quarterback – but I just stopped paying them so much attention because they lost so much talent. And we were looking at LSU with Fournette and Alabama with Derrick Henry and thinking in the beginning, you know, with, with Georgia with Chubb and then Florida with the renaissance that you're having, that they were going to fall so far back that it wasn't – I just stopped really paying them attention. So if you want to throw me the numbers, go for it if you got them. I don't have them written down in front of me, but 
Okay. He has improved on every on nearly every number from last year. And last year, he was as big wow. a Heisman favorite as Leonard Fournette is this year. I mean, wow. what Prescott has done this year, and he has been the entire offense. He has been mm-hmm. everything. He's. I know he's closing in. On, I know he's killing it, throwing the ball. He is far and away leading their rushing statistics. And Dak Prescott has proven that he's not just a good quarterback. If he falls into the third or fourth round, I think that's going to be a huge, huge steal. He looks like he looks like a Cam Newton when you watch him on the field. Mm-hmm. The problem is he's at Mississippi State. I mean that right. is that is one guy that I cannot believe has not been hyped on. When I've heard at least three separate analysts talking about Matt Daniels, I believe his name is the quarterback from Bowling Green, and nobody is <laughs> mentioning Dak Prescott. Just unbelievable. Yeah. People are talking about Paxton from Memphis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, glossing over the season that Dak Prescott's having. I mean, that's un- like this. This kid has completely proven me wrong. When he first came in, and he, when they were still starting Tyler Russell and bringing Dak in mm-hmm. just to just to run the ball, the amount of just improvements in his game from for two seasons is remarkable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and they talk about golf out there in California and. Um, Hackenberg from Penn State. So, yeah, he's he's getting lost in the shuffle, but he's going to get a chance to show the world because we, we he's got Alabama. And nobody's going to give Mississippi State a chance against Alabama, given what we just saw with Alabama and LSU. But, he, but it's in Starkville, so he's got a chance. And then, for whatever reason, because of the SEC hype, they're going to play Ole Miss, and that's going to be hyped over a bigger game than it should be because I don't think Ole Miss is, is playing that with a ball. But this week – He's got Alabama and Mississippi State. Uh, they lost LSU already, I believe, but that wasn't a uh, – sorry about that. That wasn't a, you know, a destruction. It's just it was for they had another good game. Uh, so, again, he's going to get a chance to put himself back on the mat uh, against Alabama, and, and especially if they win and he has a big game. I think he shoots right back up to the top of the Heisman Trophy leaderboard. Definitely. When you, if you get a chance tonight, just look at those numbers. I mean, you'll you'll be blown away that you haven't heard about this guy's season. It's it's incredible. Uh, moving on to pro football now. Uh, it's another week and another loss for the Falcons. And this one, I want to say, is the most disappointing loss of the season. Yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. Like I said, when we were talking about it in the summer, um, and then as the they get out to that three and zero start, uh, actually that five and zero start. You were saying that San Francisco game is a win. We're talking it up as a win. The same way we talked up Tampa Bay's going to come in with a rookie quarterback into Atlanta, that's a win. So, they, you know, the schedule was set up so great for them. They should really be undefeated or at the very least one loss to New Orleans because New Orleans is a tough place to win. But Blaine Gabbert, you know, I think his QBR before the Falcons game in his career was 25. like 25.3. Yeah, I mean, 25. that's – yeah, that's that's just unfathomable to go to San Francisco and play that bad. To kick the field goal on fourth and one, and you got you know, I I don't know. They got to look in the mirror in this in this bye week. I think this bye week is coming at a good time for them because losing like that, getting destroyed in the, in, a, in the local radio, watching you know go for a fourth and one. What kind of indictment is that? You know, I I mean, kicking the field goal on fourth and one. I I I don't know. I, and I don't like this stretch play that they're running trying to get Matt Ryan with the, that, you know, extended handoff to Devontae. Just give Devontae the ball and let him go. 
throwing screen passes out in space. For the love of God, put Roddy White over the middle like you used Tony Gonzalez when he lost a step and let him control the middle of the field while Julio goes down the field. I mean, Justin Hardy is getting more targets than, than, than Roddy White. I don't understand that. I, I, I don't understand what the Falcons are doing. I don't. And if you remember, I pointed this out to you before the season started when, when they first announced that they brought in Shanahan. Uh, that mm-hmm. is imploding quickly. He's not listening mm-hmm. to players. Uh, players are having to call meetings and huddle up because his ego's too big. And now you've got Dan Quinn, who's having to side with this coordinator that he handpicked. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not working out too well in Falcon Land right now. You've got a predictable offense that isn't doing nearly what they should be doing. They're predictable. Um, the line mm-hmm. is starting to come back down to earth after that start, and it's it's not working out. And this is kind of what people should expect from a Shanahan thing. Like I was talking last week, people saw the 5-0 and start, the 6-1 and start, and their expectations went through the roof. But they are they're, they forgot this is still not a supremely talented team by any stretch of the means. Yeah, and I think the problem is also you talk about it, Shanahan not one to adapt. Matt Ryan is excellent in the two-minute offense. You don't have to wait for it to be two minutes to run that offense, to shake it up. Do the things that your personnel is good at. And I think part of the reason this offensive line is coming back down is because he's having to hold the ball too long. Run the no-holder offense. Not, you know, don't go Philadelphia on it. But bring up, pick up the tempo some of them. Stop that stretch play because, you know, he's got some athleticism, but asking him to, you know, run that stretch play with, with uh, Javante Freeman, it very rarely goes for a big game. Go to just getting the ball out quickly. Get it to Javante quickly. Throw it down the field to Julio quickly. And, and you talked about it, and you, and you hit it right on the head with the uh, number two wide receiver not getting a lot of love in this offense. The problem I have with it is I'd rather put a Hankerson or a Hardy on the outside and put Roddy on the, on the slot and let him control the middle of the field like a de facto tight end, he's, he's going to give you better production than Jacob Tammy is over the middle of the field. He's lost a step against separation on the outside, but he can still work the middle of the field. And if you let him work the middle of the field and let Julio go deep, I mean, and let Tammy block, I still think that opens it up. And then you pick up the pace on offense. Those are things that they can do that are that's available to them in their personnel, in the game plan they can do to give that offense a jolt and give it some life. But like you said, if it's an ego thing, if it's a pitching contest thing with Shanahan, then they're going to continue to lose games because they can become very predictable. They get behind the, the, the chains. You know, in third and long, it's hard to convert for any offense, let alone this one. So I I, I hope this is what they're doing in the bye week. I, I really do. If, if it's not, then I don't understand. I've got a number that may surprise you. Uh, looking at my, Matt Ryan, would you agree that it looks like he's having one of his worst seasons when you look at the throws he's making – um, I don't know yeah. if you've noticed the the zip on his ball is completely gone. He's against San Fran. He was throwing ducks that looked like Peyton Manning passes. Yeah, we've been talking about wondering if he was hurt or not. He's been saying he's not, but yes, I agree. Do you realize that his QBR right now is a ninety two point four? Really? It does yeah, that shocked that me. That shocked me. Um, which just it just shows you. The, the start they got off to, and he's still mm-hmm. completing a lot of passes. The problem is they're all short gains and aren't being able to really break away and do anything big because he, he does not have the zip. And Matt wasn't a strong-armed quarterback to begin with. 
And losing no. Zip, I'm hoping this is just a one-off thing and hoping this bye week can maybe get him back straight a little bit. I don't know if he's got a shoulder injury that he won't tell anybody about or what. But the Falcons can't win can't win anything substantial with Matt Ryan if that's going to be his new norm. I mean, he's smart enough to dink and dunk on you, but you would have to completely tail your offense to the New Orleans Saints' Drew Brees offense, and the Falcons don't have the personnel for that. Uh, agreed. And then you take away one of your best threats, and Julio taking t- going down the field and taking the top off the deep off the defense if you do that. So you're limiting what your best playmaker can do if that if it comes to that. He looks like he's hurt. Is what is what is what I think it is. Of course, he's not going to say anything, but I'm hoping that's what it is, and it's something he can recover from. And like you said, that it's not his new norm that he just lost his zip on the ball. But the, well, the things I just talked about before, um, I, I think are are there for them to fix for the offense. For the defense, I agree with you. When, when you're losing um, more in the secondary, he's just tougher, and he's a leader on defense. And Durant can't stay healthy, um, and you're still not getting the production off the edge that you were expected to get, um, getting that to the passer. I mean, I still think there are some pieces of the way on defense, but their offense could help mask that if they could get off to faster starts and make another team play from behind to get them in more predictable down distances to where you can get out to the quarterback a little easier where you're not having to think so much. So, like I said, I think there are some things that they can change that will benefit the team overall if they will make those changes on offense. So, again, hopefully yeah, that's they make Quentin Patton look like a pro bowler. I mean, listen, and Ruben Jones, I mean, they, they just picked this guy up off the street. Sean you know, Jones. He just gassed Sean Jones. Sean Jones, sorry. Just gassed That was Sean like, Jones. Rondé Barber was messing that up, too. That was Sean Jones from uh, North Carolina a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, still. Somebody that shouldn't be doing it. And, you know, somebody that picked they, up were, they were picking a week ago. Yeah, and in the secondary, San Francisco picking up cornerbacks and safeties off the street. And, and holding the passing game down, how does that happen when you have Julio and Roddy? I, I, I don't understand. It's it's dark. It's tough. I mean, no matter how you look at it, Falcons fans needed to temper expectations, and maybe this will do it. Maybe this is a Falcons team that plays better when they don't have any expectations on them. Um, mm-hmm. The problem is there. you're now in real danger of not even making the wild card with the way the Rams have come on, with the way the Vikings mm-hmm. look. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going out there, and uh, you've still got some tough games. I mean, you lucked out that you realize that when they face Hasselbeck, that'll be the fifth backup quarterback they get to play this year. That just does exactly. not happen in the NFL. And you it have does. to capitalize. You have to win. You have to beat them because I don't I don't know if you beat Carolina once, let alone twice. No, no, no. Their best hope is a split. Their best hope is a split. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. And, and and you're getting uh, uh, two times against a rookie quarterback in Tampa and Winston, and you got another rookie quarterback that you faced. Um, did Mariota didn't play when they played uh, Tennessee, did they? Was it? Uh, nope, that was Matt Mettenberg. Mettenberg to play? Mettenberg, so that was yeah. the backup. But still, he's only, but what, he's two or three years old. he's rookie. Two, right. and he, he only saying. played six last year, so technically he was still a rookie. Right. So it, it, I don't think – I hear what you're saying about tempered expectations, but I don't think they really should have given the way the schedule was set up. I think that if you were playing Seattle and New England and Denver after that start, like, okay, you know these guys aren't that good to hang with them. Okay, calm down. But these are teams, like you said, back of quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, um, that you should be not just beating, you should really be dominating. 
And to be to lose that kind of game, you're letting them slide back, like you talked about. St. Louis playing well. You can't count out Seattle. I'm not gonna count them out. And Arizona. So you're talking about three guilt teams in the West. You talk about Green Bay and Minnesota now tied for the NFC North. And I think you're only going to get one out of the NFC East the division winner. And until this last week, New Orleans was making a good comeback until they just absolutely blew it to Tennessee at home. So you can go ahead and probably get that division to Carolina. But it's going to be tough to make the the, the, the playoffs in the NFC. And you've given away now two games that you that you're supposed to have, and they are NFC conference games. So when it comes down to tiebreakers for the for the wild card, now you're gonna you're you're putting yourself behind the eight ball because you're losing conference games. Exactly, and you're zero two in your division. Luckily, we're at the halfway mm-hmm. point now, which means that I get to break out my uh, my pen and paper and uh, start start on my uh, my little pre-draft workouts, my draft predictions, my mocks. So I'm thinking Uh-oh. next week. I'm thinking next week we do a Falcons mock-up, and uh, we kind of look at some preliminaries, what they could need and where they go, and we see how far apart we are. Fair enough. I think that sounds good. Uh, we got about 15 yep. minutes, so we do need to run back over to baseball now. Uh, Hall of Fame voting. We found out who's on yeah. the ballot this year. Uh, it's not a particularly stacked lineup, but um, I think we can safely say for sure Smoltz is in. Uh, really, that was the only one that I. That was the only one I saw that I think is a unanimous. Nobody's unanimous. If Max and Glavin aren't going to be unanimous, then nobody's going to be well, unanimous. I, I, you know what I mean by unanimous. I think we can safely pin small thin. Yeah, I think you can. I think you can put Griffey in. I and Griffey, oh Griffey, of course. Griffey, yeah. Griffey, I think will pick in the highest percentage of the votes. I think Ooh. I think Griffey gets right up around that seventy-five to seventy-seven percent. Uh, you you can't argue with the numbers he put up. I mean, especially in especially in this grouping, it's going to look even better. Uh, luckily, though, that means Jeff Bagwell may get in. Uh, I don't know if he will. The steroid allegations will follow him around for a while. Uh, yeah. But I wouldn't be shocked if he gets in. Um, there's a bunch of closers. I don't think I don't think Billy Wagner gets in and. Honestly, I don't think Trevor Hoffman gets in, which is a shame, because they just don't play oh. on relievers. I mean, so I wasn't think he, he should uh, when you look at his body of work, but... Yeah. I want to say, wasn't he the Saves leader when he retired? He was. Yeah. I'd I, I, I be... Yeah, that's tough, and you're right. They do the relievers a little dirty, but I would think it... I think he has a, I think he has a shot. Um yeah, this, guys shot, but like, I don't put him any more than yeah. 25% to get in. Yeah, you know, it's almost like this is, a you know, the Hall of Very Good list, but not like the Hall of Fame, because I'm looking at Edgar Martinez as a professional hitter, but he's probably That's not going to get in. Oh, no, he only um, got 20% of last year. He's not getting in. Uh, Trammell may yeah. get in. Piazza he might. might. I expect Piazza to, just based on who he's with on this list. But he has those and, same uh, allegations dogging him. Yeah, but he got 62% last year. I, I expect him, if any of these people who didn't make it last year make it, it'll be Piazza. I hope Trammell gets in. It'd be nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is his last yeah. ballot. And right. personally, I think he deserves it more than half of the other. I think he deserves it more than Edgar Martinez does. As good a hitter as Edgar was, I mean, you really only played half the game. I mean, you can go play yeah, he did anybody a lot of out of – yeah, well, that's all he did. 
he wasn't anything yeah. but a DH. And he was yeah. a fantastic DH. But, I mean, even Big Poppy yeah. has played some first base. I mean, it's been horrible first base, but he's played some of it. And <laughs> I think that might, that may actually impact Big Poppy when he comes around. Uh, I still think he'll get in, but I don't think he gets – I don't know if he gets in on the first ballot. Yeah, and I'm looking at that. I, I feel the same way uh, about Larry Walker, very good hitter, but I don't think enough to Couldn't get do in. do anything else. Um, right, and then your same thing for Hoffman. Because um, I want to say that Lee Smith – is the one that over the Hoffman overtake Lee Smith or was it the other way around? I can't he remember. Did. But no, two, he overtook but two Lee very Smith. good. And Lee Smith oh, this is Lee Smith okay. last year as well. Right. Um and if yeah, Lee Smith so doesn't get in, it's a shame. But I don't see it happen. Yeah. Sometimes I you know, I I think Piazza never being, you know, he's had the allegations but never being, you know, having a suspicion for it and doing all that while catching to me, gives him an extra boost over everybody else. You know, he he didn't he DH. in the caught. Jeff Bagwell role. Exactly. He and Bagwell are in that group of where everyone is sure that they did, but there's no paper trail to it like there was with McGuire and Sosa, which personally to me, I still think it's a shame that McGuire's not going to get in based on the fact solely that he's, he and Sosa were the sole reason that baseball got back to popularity in the 90s. I mean, people yeah. tuned in just to watch him in home run derbies and yeah. just anything just to watch because you knew he was going to smash one. That that race in, I want to yeah. say it was 96, yeah, 96 or 98, that, that was – and there was three players that year that hit 60 because people always forget that Griffey was in that race. Mm-hmm. I think Griffey finished out with 62, Sosa was 66, and McGuire was 70 or 71, 70, I believe. Yeah, it's something, but, uh, something that was, yeah. But you're making commercials. And I remember the the Greg Maddox chicks did the long ball commercials. I mean, they brought baseball back. It, it's to your point is that it's convenient to now throw all this dirt on them. But all these same writers that are voting them in are enjoying this lifestyle that they're living, partially because those two guys brought baseball back. And in order, especially to when keep, people you know, complain about no home run anymore, people complain about exactly. the lack of the long ball. Exactly, and then you're doing a marketing campaign based off of it. You knew good and well they were doing it, but you needed it to bring your sport back, and now that your sport is back, you're going to say, oh, well, you got some cheaters. I really find that to be very hypocritical, and, and I totally agree with you. I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off, but that, that makes me mad because I, I don't understand how you, with one hand, make the money off of it and you needed it, and on the other hand, you know, throw dirt on them and then call them cheaters and, and, and you know, abusers. I, I That just is it's shameful. Welcome to bureaucracy, my friend. <laughs> Running down to the end of the show here, it's prediction time. So why don't we start off with you? You give me your okay. predictions for this week, for uh, this Saturday, and we can we can throw some NFL if we have some time. Uh, but let, let's okay. let's start with college ball. Okay, um, I, I'm still going to take Alabama at uh, over Mississippi State. I mean, I know I talked about them earlier. I just wanted to double let the process play out first, but I think Alabama, if they come out and play like they played against LSU, they just play lights out. Um, I think Houston keeps the rolling uh, against Memphis. I think Navy, even though they have their own brand of attack, um, I think they, they expose them that if you can stay consistent with the run, you can beat Memphis. I like Houston at home with Herman. Um, and I like Oklahoma over Baylor. Baylor with a freshman quarterback, I think at some point it catches up to them. And Oklahoma may be playing the best of anybody in the Big 12 right now. I mean, they got – They've been buried since Texas, you know, destroyed them in the Red River shootout. But since that game, they've been playing awesome. Um, 
for me, uh, I think Ohio State should win. I think it's going to be closer because, again, conference road games, especially when you're the national champ, you're always going to have the Bulls on your back. It's just life. It's just the way it is. So those are mine. Um, I can't necessarily think of another. Am I missing another big game this week? What do you got for Georgia-Auburn? One that looked like it was going to be a huge game preseason until everybody started noticing what these teams are. Is it is it here or is it uh, at Jordan Hare? It's at Jordan Hare. Ooh. Mm, I'm going to go with Georgia because I think they finally figured it out that, hey, if we stop being knuckleheads and <laughs> keep our best players on the field <laughs> and run the ball, then, hey, we've got a shot to beat anybody because we still have a ton of athletes. So I'm going to go with Georgia. I, I'm not really impressed with Auburn at all. All right. I like your picks. I can't say I disagree. Uh, that Houston call, it's a great call. That's another one of the unbeaten teams in Houston. Tom Herman, you got to be proud. Tom Herman looks for real, and I don't think he's at Houston yep. next year. I'll pick Houston. Uh, mm-hmm. I I tend to agree with Oklahoma over Baylor. I don't think that that quarterback – I don't think Seth Russell is going to be able to put up those types of numbers. Uh, it's actually not even Seth Russell anymore. I forget the freshman's name. Um, yeah, it's the freshman now. Yeah, But uh, I do think that's a good call. Um, it's a shame. But I do think that. Uh, I agree, Alabama over Mississippi State. And I think that'll be a fairly easy win for Bama. Nothing against Miss State, but when, you're, when your whole offense is centered around one player, and that one player being Prescott, then, you know, there's just – there's no way I can pick them against Bama. And I think it's going to that's gonna look bad because that's going to be the only national game that people see Prescott in, and they're going to judge him off of that instead of what he's done so far this year. Um, I'll pick Georgia over Auburn. I'm not real confident <laughs> in it. So I'll put the line at three either way. I'm not real confident. Um, Auburn, Georgia has problems stopping a running quarterback with that, with that veer option and all sorts of that. Um, and they've got Carl Lawson back, which kind of makes me worried about, um, being able to run the ball, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, you can't really predict with either of those teams. I'll pick Ohio I State. Agree. I think they win by two touchdowns. They should. Uh, that's real. I can't think of many other big games outside of that this weekend. Uh, this one's no, kind of the take a break uh, week. Yeah. 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 Because uh, I, I think going forward here, you're going to have that, you know, the Big Ten with Ohio State playing Michigan State and Michigan um, after this week back to back. And then you really have that Big 12 gauntlet where they just have the basically, basically, they have a playing tournament in the month of November where you have all the heavyweights playing each other every week. Um, so, yeah, I think it may start to slow down some, but then we say that and craziness always continues to happen. Um, <laughs> I'm going to throw it in the NFL. I think oh, – I Lost you real quick. All right, just in case he doesn't get back in time, everybody, I'm going to go ahead and run down. Um, there and, and as I look at right. it, uh, I haven't looked at the schedule fully. But the Falcons being also, that's why I really haven't looked at it as much. I already knew who Cincinnati was. Yeah, I kind of I kind of wasn't paying as much attention. This is my get a breath week from the NFL. Two, also, I have no idea how you come back in two, six, in two weeks from a lacerated kidney. <laughs> and then That's not happening. He's there. gonna be out of so, six. I'm he not may try to stretch the board, but the only saving grace they played in a terrible division. And then um, everybody, make sure we got the Hawks playing tonight. Hawks playing the Pelicans without Anthony Davis, which is a little bit of a shame. We don't get to watch him a lot out here. It's good for the Hawks; so you don't have to face him. But uh, 
Hawks just got their streak snapped by Minnesota last night with their super rookie, Carl Towns. Uh, Hawks are playing New Orleans tonight. No. No Anthony Davis. He's out. Uh, It's a shame. Hawks had their seven-game streak snapped by uh, Minnesota and their uber rookie, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, in case you don't follow basketball. Um, There's not much going on tonight, so. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.